0: To the Out of St. Dan podcast.
1: Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. And the
0: groundbreakers, history makers...
2: Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for not just another week, it's a special week. We are recording this on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to Elders past and present and to any Indigenous people listening today. The M will pass the baton on to the W on Thursday night, so we thought it was important for us to get together. If the Collingwood Carlton season ending Sunday edition got you pumped, just wait till you see the Collingwood Carlton season opener edition on Thursday night. In this milestone week, I cannot do the yakking without my football loving sanctum siblings and footy freaks. I'm going to let them introduce themselves.
1: Hi, it's Lucy Race here. Hello,
3: it's Tess. Teddy Armstrong over here, <laughs> Tedwood. We love you,
2: Tedwood. You do such a good job of <laughs> editing the pod, but also doing the talking. I always feel so lucky when I get to talk footy with both of you. We are smashing the champagne bottle on the bow of the AFLW season seven today. It's going to be a special one. But before we turn the page, let's get some thoughts on the end of the men's home and away season. That
3: was a scorcher on the weekend. Teddy? It was so fun and actually it was indicative of the year that's been. I think a lot of the times we get to the end of the AFLM season and we feel really tired because it doesn't have a lot of meaning. It's usually wrapped up, the top eight's wrapped up. This was one of the most fun, even unpredictable seasons that I can remember and you had that joy of turning on the game and you actually didn't know what was going to happen. We've talked a lot about the reasons for that fatigue in the past, you know, the season's too long and the top eights decided. But this, this kept our attention right up to the very end. And so they proved me really wrong. Um, and now we get the truly excellent situation, whereas a prequel and a sequel, we get AFLW to the AFLM. And, like, you know, this is never going to happen uh, again where we get a book ended one year with AFLW. So really... It's been a real ride, and it's not done yet. Lucy, how did you
1: cope over the weekend? Because I feel like you're like me—you're like a stressful footy watcher. Did you handle that well? I did, and what I really enjoyed about the weekend, and what one of my observations about the weekend is that the games really fell into one of two categories: we had smashings, and then we had heartbreaking, close live ladder games. And those close live ladder games were quite something to behold. All of them could have had impacts on on where teams ended up none more so than that Carlton Collingwood game and how do we get past Collingwood? Collingwood have been a revelation this year to see Jamie Elliott once again kick a match winner clutch still clutch it was a great goal (laughs) Um, but I want to talk about the Sydney Swans and ask the question, why not the swans?
3: I was going to raise this with you two. I feel like we've done the swans a disservice, really, everyone this
2: year. No, 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 no. I disagree. I think they'll oh. love that we're not talking about them.
1: Let's talk about them more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And they look, they're in great form. So everyone's been talking about the cats, sort of five wins in a row. The Swans have also won their last five, and I know they'll be a bit disappointed that they couldn't get quite a big enough margin to finish in second spot. But they've got the double chance, and they're just playing such beautiful football. I cannot go past Chad Warner's goal in the first quarter. It was a running goal. He was just past the center circle when he kicked it. It was just incredible. I but is that at the really- SCG because
3: that's like a netball <laughs> core right? Isn't that closer? <laughs> Isn't the SCG like the size of
2: like a 20 cent me- piece?
3: He's got the special, um the special water from Space Jam about him, though. I feel like he could do that at any ground, really. Put him out in the car park and say, kick it over the church, and I reckon Chad Warner could do it for us. Mm.
2: Yeah, but- no, I like it a lot, Lucy. I feel like there was a bit of chatter about the Swans in the middle of the season, but then I think things like Collingwood 11 games in a row starts to swamp the conversa- conversation and, and Geelong not getting home finals will swamp the conversation because they're those treadmill topics that we like to talk about <laughs> in the very Vic-centric um, um, footy the media, cats are
1: just herring though, aren't they? <laughs> did you just want to say that? Though. I did. <laughs> Can I also
3: talk about the fact that the you know you talked about Vic-centric media? And each year, you know, we're searching for this fairy tale. Well, there's an AFLM team. There's an AFL team that's never won a premiership, and they're the Fremantle Dockers. And I feel like. And we're not talking about them as being the fairy tale of September because if they can break their premiership drought, and I'm going to put it out there, they're going to go WM. WM. <laughs> in the couple of space of a couple of months, imagine that. That club could turn their whole fortune around in the next couple of months and I'm excited to see it. I lo- I think that team is when they're on, they're on, they look amazing. And they're that young team. They've got a young, awesome coach. And I just feel like the Dockers have, you know, they should be the fairy tale. They should be what be what we're talking
2: about. Well, one of the reasons why we haven't probably been talking about them is because all of the eyes have been so firmly planted on coach conversations, which I do feel like got pushed a bit later in the season. Usually that coach conversation starts happening mid, you know, back half of the season. But I feel like it really hung on until the very end of the season. Sonia Hood claiming, Alice, to Clarkson last week and then burning cane corns was just oh it was something that I think football's been wanting to see for a very long time. But Craig McCrae being a revelation for Collingwood this year has also presented a burn that I saw on the weekend that was just so oh, I was just so awkward watching it. And all I could think is, what are men? What are men? Like I had just watched like the shaking hands of Harrison Petty with Dane Zorko, how they actually shook hands but they were having a conversation, their body language was saying, I hate you, get away from me, but yeah. they're still shaking hands and people go like, oh, well, they shook hands so everything's fine. And then I watched... Gary Lyon say right to Bucks, right in his actual face. Craig McRae has been the revelation this year, and I was thinking this must be so hurtful for Nathan Buckley. I just feel like women would not cope with having that level of like passive aggression just levelled at them on TV.
1: You know, your your ex partner's new partner is so So
2: beautiful and so smart,
1: so smart. She's a male funny really funny. Your ex
3: has never looked a better version of themselves uh, since that person's been in their life. Like Since you it? broke
2: up with them, they have just gone from strength to strength. I'm just lying. It's the best
3: thing that's ever happened to them.
2: Is that how actually how men really talk? Is that really <laughs> what would happen? Because I just found it fascinating. So, you know, we did bury the lead on like just rolling on with that conversation, but now the North, North Melbourne do have a coach now, which is fantastic news. I'm actually quite thrilled that Clarko's gone there. My only bigger happiness would have been if he went to Tassie and there was a Tassie team. I would have loved that story. But it's a win-win situation for him. He's walking into a club that's got nothing left to lose, right?
1: I think he'll love it. I think he'll have a a wonderful time there. I heard him this morning speaking to Gerard Watley. What's his name? (laughs) (laughs) Watley. Say tribunal.
4: (laughs) I can't say it.
1: (laughs) But he just sounded, sounded really happy. He sounded like... You know, he'd made the right choice and he was really thrilled at what what's ahead of him in terms of, of rebuilding and Jared asked him the question is 17 years too long to have stayed with a club and I thought his answer was really interesting about how when you ask young players to buy into a system that you also buy into that and so you don't kind of want to walk away in the middle of it. But I always feel with these coach changes that it's like this massive game of musical chairs where everything kind of moves, but someone's going to miss out. Sometimes it's the coach that misses out. Sometimes it's a club that misses out. And Essendon is in a bit of a world of pain and it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the future. I was thinking about how um, there's that quote when
2: you break up with someone, people say like, oh, all breakups end badly or else they wouldn't end. I think it's a quote from a movie. I can't remember, but it's something like that. Anyway, someone will know. Someone listening will know. Uh, It could be Cocktail. Cocktail. The seminal film. But I was thinking about Coaches and how it never ends well, apart from if Roosie is involved. Because I feel like Paul Roos handed over the reins to Horse at Sydney and then same with Goodwin at Melbourne. And unless you've got Paul Roos, you know, holding the musical chair for you, Everyone ends badly. It never ends well. It's they never stick the landing. But at the same time, exponentially, we've been getting better at saying goodbye to players. That's going quite well. You get a home ground farewell. You get to take your kids out. Then you might get another one interstate, and people cheering off big boy, and no one dropped him. And you know that <laughs> that there's. That I just feel like we're getting worse with like it's getting worse with coaches, but better with players.
3: And the conversation is getting so much. There's such a jarring between the media footy media conversation and what's actually happening internally at clubs and two examples you know we had Clarko saying something so beautifully genuine this club was there for me when I needed them and if this is their time of need I'm happy to be there for them which I just thought was just one of the nicest things to hear we had Michael Voss you know despite the fact that it could have been truly end of days for Carlton say well we've had a month to get there and we didn't get there and so that shows where we're at these honest undebatable non-dramatic sentences Whereas at the same time we've got the media blowing up at every single option saying, well, obviously this job's got to go to Ross Lighton because he's a guy we know. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys do this 24-7, did we know from the media that Adam Kingsley was even an option for GWS? Not really. GWS went around about that coaching changeover I think in a really mature way. Leon Cameron parted ways early. It wasn't left to the last minute. They weren't part of some mad scurry for two people that we've heard of before because we keep saying people like Craig McRae are a revelation but he's been in football for a really long time Adam Kingsley's been around for a very long time Mm. are they a revelation or have we just not been paying attention
2: isn't that how how the pathway is actually intended to work like pathways um what about with um Craig McRae saying about Vossie I just really care for him and I told him I love him I was like gorgeous I don't know if he said I told him that I love him or if he said I told him I love him (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It was just a quote that One I read. But I was That's happy nice. with either. I was happy with either outcome. Can we quickly talk about Dane Zorko? Not that I actually definitively know what was said on the field to Harrison Petty, but I'll just say this. It annoys me beyond annoyance that in the wash up of whatever was said, which was obviously bad, because you can tell from the reaction from people who seemingly do know, that all of the rumour and innuendo has dragged through the mud the names of two women related to Harrison Petty that that somehow that is still weaponized i'm like it absolutely shits me about this game that two women could have just been watching a footy game or not even they could have been out having, you know, beers with friends or looking after their kids or whatever they were doing. Then all of a sudden there's rumour and innuendo in the biggest gossip machine in town where mm. their names are being dragged through the mud talking about really potentially traumatic things. It infuriates me that the weaponization of family members or partners is still happening in this game. It is total bullshit that people think that this is okay and that this is still on the table. If you want to keep it on the field, then keep your comments on the field. Like keep, keep it about the actual people who choose to play this game. Keep it about things that are related to football. I'm beyond furious that this has happened to these people and that this conversation is happening. And I'm sure that they'll shake hands and they'll get over it and the clubs will say, oh, nothing to see here. And the AFL has already investigated and said, move on. But do you know what that leaves? That leaves two people potentially with a legacy of having been embroiled in something that is completely of no fault of their own, bringing up really personal stuff. And I just think it's so unacceptable. It makes me
1: It's another thing that pushes women out of this game. The other thing it does is that it just it has these wider implications that go beyond the actual individuals involved and beyond the football field. In terms of you know these conversations then are happening amongst other families and friendship groups, and it sets tone. It influences ideas of, of gender it influences ideas of what's acceptable mm. people are talking about things that are rumors but they're things that also could potentially you know be something that people other people are dealing with so those ripples that go out from this game and because everything does get talked about it's just everything gets put under the microscope it really does emphasize the effect of it mm. And that's the thing that worries me, that we then, you know, we see the response from clubs and, and the fact that, you know, Zorko is is a captain of a, a football club. And then it raises questions about, well, what's leadership? What qualities do we want in a leader? What is culture? What's a competitive culture? What's crossing the line? And And I think the thing that frustrates me is that the football clubs and the league has so much power here and I know that it's really tricky when you know things are alleged and we don't necessarily know what's said but when we look at say comments made by Taylor Walker that's clear cut that there is some sanctions that absolutely should have come into play and did come into play and you could argue that it could have been could have been more with all of these other issues, especially when it become you know, it's something that comes under the respect and responsibility aspect of, of policy, we haven't seen a lot of real meaningful either sanctions or what's the word I'm looking for? accountability consequences accountability
3: you know I think a couple of years ago we had a situation with Mark Murphy where things were said about his partner on the field and they those comments were made very public very very early and it was like you know you can't say this but the issue with that is of course and then everybody gets to have a say and everybody gets to hear Mm -hmm. the comments and so then we all get to talk about it and so that is just like manifestly worst for that person. And the issue here is, I think, in terms of trying to protect the privacy of the people involved, it's a hard one to see public accountability because they are trying to not make us talk about Mm. what was said, what was said, what was said, because I noticed that was the first thing on Friday night. Everyone goes, what was said? Let's find out what was said. Mm. And that not only leads to made up stuff, but um, also makes it worse, right, for those people who Mm. are personally involved. So I think it can be hard for the public to feel like we trust that something is going to happen. Mm. I think about Brisbane, for example. I don't think anyone can look at Brisbane and look at what we think the leadership is like under a person like Chris Fagan and what Dane Zorco does on the field, both with his, like, pesty behaviour and also now what he says. I just think they are, like, worlds apart. Mm. And I think, well, hang on, I'm getting mixed messages from that club and I'm getting mixed messages in your form as well. There might be something to that, right, that there's not a cohesive um environment and they will need to sort that out. But in terms of them as a practicality, they've just finished their home and away season. They're about to play a massive final at home. Can they do they have space and capacity to deal with this right mm-hmm. now? Is that not a conversation that they're gonna have after the finals and after this birth about what what leadership they're looking for? And we may see consequences from this in a couple of months time, but they can't actually deal enact with it, it now. now but also if the afl have investigated and said nothing to see here well i'm not sure by that are you i would be staggered and i know this is just the cynic but if i saw an email that said oh the afl integrity and looked at this and they're stepping in and and making Dane Zorko stand down as captain i mean i i would never no, that would never happen and i don't know what i would want but i am so i just don't have the faith that there will be all of these extra layers of accountability Mm. just two weeks before a final because I know that this is a system that thinks about footy first and everything else second and that's why we keep finding ourselves in these situations.
2: Mm, Yeah. I just feel like the messaging needs to be so simple to players to say, we know that you'll cross the line with the things that you say because you all always do. Yep. Don't make it about anyone who's not here. Totally you stupid dum-dums, you stupid totally. dum-dums. No one else, like these people just sitting at home and then all of a sudden get a whack across the back of their head and whether it's true or not, like just you have to be careful. No one else has signed up to this. No. It makes me absolutely furious. It reminded me of the Tom Morris, Megan Barnard from earlier in this year. We've mm-hmm. learnt nothing from that. That's what I felt like.
1: Meanwhile, sledging is still alive and well in grassroots footy, in junior footy. That breaks my heart. I can't see that there's ever going to be any change until we see meaningful change in accountability from elite sport. Totally, yeah, on that. Hey, um, kudos
2: to Peggy, Peggy O'Neill. She's been a bright, shining light for us, hasn't she? Massive achievements at the Tigers and now we all get to cheer for her because she's going to head up the Com games so she gets to be Team Australia. I love this for Peggy. Uh, born American watch me go. I'm going to take on the uh, very parochial game in a corner of a universe that no one else is watching apart from that one man in America. Then I'm going to take on the Com Games, which uh, the Americans have absolutely no relationship with whatsoever. I just love her commitment to sport in this country. And I cannot wait to be team Peggy um, wholeheartedly
3: because she's not going to be banging on about the Tigers all the time. But isn't this huge? Tess, what does Peggy mean to you? It's actually hard to sum up how much, how grateful I am for Peggy. And I. whilst I am devastated, actually, I actually feel grieving, you know, the end of her mm-hmm. time at Richmond because it has been so amazing. I'm fine to share it with you. Uh, she's just been, been such a strong character in her, in our club and her time leading the club. Like there's obviously the on-field stuff, three premierships, if you didn't know, and an AFLW side coming into the world under her tenure. But there's the other stuff. There's that stuff we've just been talking about, the culture, the pride I feel in my club, not just because we go about things in a certain way on the field, but our off-field relationships, we saw it on the weekend, the Tigers went over to Michael Hurley on the field, you know, congratulate him after the goal. And I know that Peggy didn't necessarily text Cochin and say, you know, gather the troops and go over and say hello, but this has all happened under her time. She's been so professional, She's such a game changer for the league. We're seeing so many women in positions of leadership right across the clubs um, because they're saying, oh, well, that worked for them. We'll give that a go. And how good that? But she's also like a delightful and funny person. And I don't know who else would have been lucky enough to both enjoy their president from afar but also get to know them and to hold the premiership cup with her. And we got to toast our premierships. So we've done some ra- lots of radio together, chewing the fat. Literally. Then there was that time she invited us to her house for dinner. She invited us to her house for dinner and then that was only trumped by the fact that when I had a baby and I was in that newborn, you know, all out of sorts time, I get a little package in the mail from Peggy O'Neill and it's a little knitted Richmond jumper. And I'm oh. not sure... <laughs> I
2: think she does that for every
3: member that ever has a baby, Tess, sorry to say. It made me feel special and that's her power. Now she's an icon of the club and um now I know what I wanna be when I grow up and it's Richmond President. I'm just like, right, I wanna do what you did and I'm gonna have a few peanut M and M's in her honour over the next few weeks and just see if we might get another sneaky premiership for Peggy. But thank you, Peggy, for everything. It's been a real ride. Tough shoes to follow.
1: I do love that. I really hope now with Peggy heading up the Commonwealth Games, is it time that we get Dolly Parton to be the opening (laughs) entertainment? Because I'm here for that. She'll be working on it. She will be working on it. Absolutely go, Peggy. Bring Dolly to our shores.
2: Okay, we are just merely hours away now. Gemma, the Be- Gemma Bastiani AFLW clock has been the countdown of my life. <laughs> and we are just hours away from AFLW Season 7. I can't lie, this moment actually feels too big. It feels way too big. It feels like we waited all of the, you know, all of the time. And then we've had to wait season till season seven for some of the clubs to come in. I think it matters to everyone that we all are represented in this game. But I'm going to put it uh, to my big sister, Lucy, because I do too much talking. How do you feel? Your team, Hawthorne, is about to come in. You've been waiting 120
1: years for this. Can you put it into words? I don't know if I can. It feels surreal, to be honest. But I'm looking ahead to round one and particularly looking ahead to Saturday when all four of the new clubs play. I think for each each of the clubs that are joining the competition, they all have a whole lot of history that kind of sits behind them and, and that's what they're bringing. So being, you know, very parochial, I'm thinking about my five decades of supporting the Hawks and I'm thinking about little Lucy sitting in the outer at Princess Park when Hawthorne shared a home ground with Carlton back in the 70s. And I'm thinking about all of those experiences that i've had and and i'm wondering how i would have been different if if i'd been able to see women play in in that jumper it's a hard one because i feel like it's been you know such a long time where that just wasn't even on the cards and so it's quite new for me to to really think that it's a possibility but i'm just really hoping that everybody gets behind their club for people who love this game that they will embrace their AFLW team as much as they've embraced their AFLM team and and maybe vice versa, Julia Kiera. <laughs> um, but... I feel like we're complete. I feel like everybody's here now, like the family's here. We can all now start walking together in in a really beautiful way. And I I look forward to what those stories are going to be. And I look forward to the impact, the good impacts that I think that we will see of having women's clubs, uh, women's teams at the highest level in all of the clubs now.
2: Well, on the eve of AFLW Season (laughs) 7, it just feels like a few moments ago we had Season 6, you might need a refresher. So Tess caught up with the best in the biz, the big gun, Kelly Underwood.
3: Yeah, well, I think I speak for all of us when I say thank the footy gods AFLW is back. So I've managed to secure some time with a woman who is going, we're going to be hearing a lot of her. It's the legend herself, commentator supreme, Callie Underwood. Hello, Cal. Hi, Tess. Thanks for having me. Are you pumped? Like, how does your week look? There's a I'm new pumped. season. Are you in the head in the footy record? Like what are you up to
0: this week? Oh, no. I'm I'm pumped. I think it's a great time of year. Um I actually had to sneak away midweek up to Queensland last week <laughs> to get a bit of sun and just have a refresher because um it's going to be a huge couple of months. And um I've been out and about speaking to AFLW clubs and the general feeling is we are going to fall over the line in November because many in the industry whether they be um you know at Clubland A Land or in the broadcast have been working on football since the first weekend in January yeah. and working every weekend through the women's, then the men's, and then the women's. So, um, that first weekend of December, Tess, I'm looking forward to putting my feet up, lighting <laughs> a cigar. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Taking a couple of months off. <laughs> and posting to a successful time and actually when you think about it since AFLW began because it's been a summer sport there has been no non-footy period and so it's going to be bizarre and I think like everyone I'm going to um do that thing where I talk about how good it's going to be and then two weeks later be like well when does footy start? yeah like, like do we not get footy till March like what's happening anyway but that's future us's problem now what are you I suppose most excited about with season seven? Oh,
0: I think the fact that you know All 18 clubs have a women's team. It's definitely now a complete competition. And I think we need to sit back at the start this weekend and reflect how far we've come in six seasons. The fact that four clubs have had to wait six years to get involved, it feels like we've truly arrived. Um, And I think that should be a celebration because there's always been criticism about now we're here. We need to get to the next step. We need to get to the next step. We need to get to the next step. But the fact, you know, two of the seasons have been ruined by COVID. We couldn't have a premier one year. It's no longer AFL for men. It's now Australian rules football for men and women all 18 clubs within six years. I think that should be a a huge celebration point. And um, the talent is there. I'm looking forward to 540 players. The talent is there. My one query and question is is that it's probably not evenly distributed just yet. So we're going to have the powerhouse clubs over the first four or five seasons, like Adelaide, like Brisbane, like Melbourne, like Collingwood, dominate. The four new teams in the Sydney Swans, Port Adelaide, Hawthorne and Essendon, probably will struggle. A little bit at the start. But in saying that, they're going to bring so much energy, so much enthusiasm and excitement. And I think that's going to add add to the competition as well. So there is just so much to look forward to. And just on the timing, the timing is perfect. Over the next five weeks, there are nine men's games. That's it. And they're (laughs) all at night we can't get people are just craving footy we can't get enough of football at this time of year think of the September holidays as a kid it was just footy Mm. footy footy so how do we fill out there's only so much you can preview nine men's finals and they're going to be brilliant but how do you feel your Sunday afternoons when you wake up on a Sunday after a you know an AFL hangover finals hangover and you just want more football how do you feel your Saturday afternoons? so the fact to have these women play on a Thursday night or a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday and if you're a or Hawthorne and you've had a a, a men's season that hasn't lived up to expectations and you haven't made it to the finals, um, you can still go and enjoy and watch your team run around. Family time. The AFLW is just joyous. It brings so much joy. Everyone wants to be there. You and all your gang and I'm excited about being part of it um, and we're thrilled to be involved and I just can't wait. I think the timing's great. And you look at October, AFL still dominates the the headlines because of trade. November it dominates because of draft. And then Mm -hmm. the AFLW fits in perfectly after that. And then we tie up all the loose ends, you know, wash our hands of it at the end of November. And like I said, we all go away and have a nice Christmas and New Year. Absolutely.
3: And you talked about those four new teams. And yes, it's going to be tough, but there is an advantage potentially to having been able to watch the other teams go about it because we've got four coaches that are all very experienced in AFLW. They know women's footy. They understand the systems. They understand the players. They know why it's different. They know why it's special. They've been sitting back having a chance to see how the other teams have gone about it. I think the question for those fans, is it? are they going to be able to be competitive? I mean, there's some talent in those lists.
0: Yeah, there is. And it's hard to predict, isn't it? Um, mm. I really like Port Adelaide. I like what they've been able to do. They've got Rachel Spawn, who three or four time Olympian um, in basketball, absolute, one of my idols growing up in Adelaide, who's running the women's program at Alberton. And they've been able to make a couple of really key appointments. Or obviously, Erin Phillips was the obvious one. Her dad won um, eight premierships with Port Adelaide. Back in the SANFL NFL days, when I was a kid, I remember him running around and so she's the captain and then they put in Lauren Arnell as a coach Um, and I've spoken to Lauren a few times. She's got that coach speak already, (laughs) Tess. We're going to play an exciting brand of football. Hmm. but she's promising it and they've got some other you know they picked up Hannah Dunn who was the the Gold Coast Suns captain so they've got experience there Gemma Houghton from Fremantle so they've been able to put a really good list together they play the West Coast Eagles the Eagles have like them I mean the Eagles are a a rabble at the moment in their men's team in their waffle team Um, I think they finished on the bottom and their women's team they finished bottom last year so there's there's every chance they could pick up a win in that first round playing the Eagles over in Perth and then they come home for their first home game at Alberton. And I'm going to be there to call that one on the television, so I can't wait for that, where they host the Western Bulldogs. So that's going to be a massive occasion. You think the emotion of something like that could get them over the line. So there's every chance they could win their first couple. So Essendon, obviously, under Natalie Wood, and they've got Peter Searle there as well, who's an experienced women's coach. Um, they landed the big fish in Maddie Crisparkas, who we can't forget, in the very first year as a teenager, won the league best and fairest when she was playing at Carlton. Poor old Daniel Harford, he couldn't hold on to her because she was a mad bomber growing up. So that was obvious for her to go there. And at Hawthorne, the very eccentric coach in Beck Goddard, who we all love, uh, and who's good for a quote. A premiership winning coach at the Adelaide Crows gets her second chance with the Hawks. She's been able to secure some big names. So big name players from other clubs, probably that a little bit older. She's gone for, a, I know the Swans are young and a little bit smaller yet to develop. They bring a lot of enthusiasm. But at um, Hawthorne, the likes of Caitlin Ashmore, Tilly Lucas-Rudd, who had a, a great season with the Saints last year, Kate McCarthy, Sarah Perkins, so, you just never know. They're a quirky team, the Hawks, and Beck's always got a few tricks up her sleeve. So, I mean, how good's that going to be? The first the season opener, Essendon and Hawthorne running
3: out for the very first time. Fantastic. Oh, at Dockland Stadium is going to be massive. And by the way, if people are listening, you can still get tickets and head along because we want that to be a spectacle you know if we, we're saying put us on these big stages then we're going to fill it and it's going to go off chops now you talked about the best teams you talked about these new teams but there's a few a few teams like my tykes who are hanging around in the middle they've been around for a little bit they've been developing is there going to be a team that's going to surprise us this year Uh well i bet
0: i've been out and studying a few of them um, because I've obviously got to broadcast their games early. Um, I hear Tigers are, are looking okay. They should they should develop. They were better last year. Yeah. They'll be better again um, this season. We can't say this year. We have to call it season seven. We've decided at Fox yep. Footy because you can't say season twenty twenty two because that's just far too confusing. <laughs> um, so I think I think they'll give you a bit of entertainment test over over the next three months. But the Western Bulldogs have been able to hold on to most of their players. They lost Bonnie Too Good, who went to Essendon and became their captain, and of course. Um, Isabel Huntington, Izzy Huntington, who suffered a third ACL tear. So she's not going to play for the Giants um, in, in the next year or so, you would think. But under B1 and B2, I call them, Burke <laughs> and Blackburn, they've got great leadership. They were seventh last year. They had some narrow losses. I, I like them. And they've got a young group, um, Nathan Burke, instead of going the recruiting, he's gone for a young group, tight-knit group, keeps them together and just wants to improve every year. So... I really, really like what they're doing. And then, of course, there's the likes of the Adelaide Crows and Melbourne and North who have kept their nucleus. I mean, the demons have just said they've hidden away and said, go away. No no one's coming here. Or they've got a couple of good ones. Jordan Ivey comes from Geelong. But they've said, hands off. You're not taking anywhere. They've clearly made a pact to say, yeah. we're going to do this for Daisy. We've done so well so far. Prelim, 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 finally made it to a grand final, lost to the Crows at Adelaide Oval last year. They're four All-Australians they've still been able to hold on to. And then you think of the Adelaide Crows and you think, gee, they've lost Darren Phillips, that's a massive blow. Well, first, second and third in their best and fairest last year, Hatchard, Marinoff and Sarah Allen. All all Australian are still there. Throw in Woodland, who was the leading goal kicker and an All-Australian, she's still there. They're going to be so hard to beat. The one game that I'm looking forward to, Tests round six, The only game to be played at Adelaide Oval. It's the showdown between Port Adelaide and the Adelaide Crows on a Friday night. I'm heading over there to call that one. So um, for the ABC, uh, that that is gonna
3: be truly a moment in time. It really will. Oh, I cannot wait for that. Absolutely. Like showdowns, give us that. This was the best thing about having all the teams in here. Not only do we get our new rivalries, you know, our AFLW rivalries that kind of develop over the last couple of years, but we get to really have a crack at those, at those old rivalries as well. Um, now, Cal, before I Let you go. Who are we watching? this season. Who who have you got your eye on in terms of individual players?
0: Yeah, that's an, an interesting question, Tess. So do we um obviously Maddie Prasparkas didn't have the great season um last year with the blues. She was she was good but that they struggled. So I'd love to see her in a, in a red and black jumper and what it means to her, whether she can regather her brilliant form from that first season. Her sis younger sister Georgie is at Geelong. Um and I think everyone just presumed that she'd move to Essendon and the sisters all play together. But I hear Georgie loves living at Geelong. She works at a water park down there. She's a surfer, works in a surf shop. So the cats have done well to keep hold of her. Her in her second year, she she's just got uber superstar written all over her. And then there's the... Well-established players that are ready to take that next level. So even watching the practice game between the Giants and the Western Bulldogs um, at Witten Oval a couple of weeks ago, I mean, Ellie Blackburn's just ready to roll. She's got that that look about her um, to take that next step and become a top five player in the competition. And I was on the Gold Coast last week and I snuck out and watched the Suns training and they said, there's Charlie Robottom." And I said, no, it's not. I had to get the binoculars and take a second look. Charlie Robottom has been in the gym every day piling on muscle, on muscle, on muscle. She is going to be in the nicest of ways a pretty beast in that midfield <laughs> Um, Her and Ellie Hampson uh, look, you know, with Bella obviously there as the the ruck. Charlie Rowbottom, keep an eye on her. She is going to be formidable this season. She's just got power and explosiveness. I hate the comparison with the men's, um, but, you know, someone like a a Petrarca or, you know, all the talk is the, you know, the Dusty Martin and those Crips and those powerful big mids. Mm. That's that's what Charlie Rowbottom is going to do this year. So I can't wait to see what she does. A former top draft pick, of course, um, the younger sister of James Rowbottom them at the Sydney Swans and um, a Sydney girl who might head back to Sydney eventually
3: but there's one to keep your eye on okay go away from me don't speak to anyone for, keep your voice right you've got a lot of calling to do we're gonna hear you non-stop all weekend so don't waste another single other breath on me but I've been so grateful to talk to you Cal I cannot wait I feel like weight is off my shoulders because the women are back playing football thank god here we yeah. go
0: Get out there! It's a great feel, community footy, isn't it? Particularly at those um, those smaller community grounds, it takes you back to footy in the sort of 80s and the 90s, and support your team um, and support the women. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I feel like we've truly arrived as a code now um, that every professional club has a, a semi-professional, bordering on professional, um, women's team. You just think, gee, I wonder what this competition is going to look like in ten years' time. It's it's truly exciting.
3: We're going to sit back and enjoy it all. I can't wait. Thanks, Cal. Happy calling. Thanks, Tess. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
4: I'm Sabrina
2: Frederick and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Ah, you and Kelly, what a dynamic duo. (laughs) Lucy, you and I were so lucky to go to the Hawthorne Jumper presentation. Some tears were shed. They weren't all mine, but uh, we're really deep diving the Hawks for for those people playing along at home today, you had a chance to catch up
1: with someone pretty special. I did. So Akech Makur-Chawat is no stranger to firsts. You'll remember she was drafted into Fremantle's inaugural team in 2016. She played in the Tigers first season and she's going to run out in the Hawks jumper as they take the field for the first time this weekend. She's a proud South Sudanese woman who brings so much to our game and I caught up with her earlier this week. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. (laughs) It's such an exciting week, isn't it? With season seven kicking off this week. Um, you're gonna be taking the field in new colours. How are you feeling? Um, honestly I'm really excited. Um so excited. Nervous at the same
4: time as well. But um yeah, just really excited more so because um we have so many you know, it's the first time the Hawthorne Football Club's gonna have a their first inaugural AFLW team and um all of us are going to be debuting for the club, which is pretty significant so there's a lot of things on i'm actually just doing some uni assignments at the moment so that's been pretty good getting my head out of football and kind of thinking about something else but yeah i'm just excited for the club i know they've done a massive massive job in getting here um and i can just see how proud everyone is so i'm super excited
1: and why did you decide to join hawthorne um i think for me it was just like a, f- a fresh
4: start i i was kind of Done really? Uh, after the the end of the season, I actually told the uh, my former club, the Richmond Football Club, that I wasn't going to be taking part in season seven. I just wanted a break. I wanted a break. I wanted to go back home, visit my family. It's hard. I live here by myself. My whole family is in Perth and summer in South Sudan. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a challenging four years, and then COVID happened. Um, I just kind of just stopped enjoying footy. Uh, really, it just became almost a chore. It was like this this struggle to get to and and obviously it being a part-time role as well it's really hard on careers and you know there's other things that I want to do um, and a lot of the time those things might not be in the country here uh, it might be that I want to go back home and work or whatever it is um, it just makes it really impossible to challenge to kind of Balance all those things. So, those were the things that were kind of in my head when I was making the decisions um, at the end of the last season. And then I got a call from uh, the great Beck, got out of course. And I had a, um, I think a two minute conversation with her. Um, and she just enrolled me in the possibility of me enjoying my footy again um, and really just reminded me of who I was and how important it was for me to continue to play football. Um, And I think that's what really got me over the line, uh, that somebody can believe in you that much. Like I haven't even met this woman before that phone call. Like I've heard of her and um, I've seen the amazing work that she's done Um, In her career, Um, and so for me to get a phone call from her, for her to just enroll me in the possibilities of playing at the Hawthorne Football Club was quite exciting, and it was the first time in a very long time I actually was excited about something. And I remember speaking to my manager, um, and yeah, we just made the decision we're gonna we're gonna play football, and uh, here we are. It's been it's been a it's been a wild journey. It's been so good. (laughs) You talk about all of the other things going on in in your
1: life. Did you have to sacrifice anything big? to play again is there something is there a story there yeah there's many stories
4: (laughs) Uh, there's many stories um well I was kind of in this space of one of my cousins uh Sunday's been bugging me about going to the bachelor for so many years um and she sent me this application process on Snapchat one day and I was like oh okay um and then I go in to fill it out and everything. Like I just wanted to like suss it out. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, filming starts in May." And da da done, I was like, "Oh, May? We don't have football then. This is great. Like I don't have anything then." Um, then obviously they announced that the season's going to be fast forward, so it was too late. I had already applied for it. Um, and at that time I was already really retiring, semi-retiring, really. Um, so yeah, I went through these big applications of going to meet my potential future husband on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite um yeah, it was it was hilarious. Um it was a quite a, a full on program like process. Um yeah. all the things that I had to do just to to go on this this um tv but yeah so I eventually got in and then back cold and um yeah I'm really glad I chose uh, my new sisters like I got 30 plus new sisters coaches amazing staff and and our men's club who are just incredible our brothers so um yeah I'm really I'm really glad I kind of chose the Hawthorne uh, football club really because it's been the best 10 weeks of football that I've I've had in a very long time, just training, being around the club and all the people that I've met in this journey so far. So yeah, I'm super glad. But as I told them a couple of weeks ago, they owe me a man. So they better come through soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really pleased. I'm sure a lot of the AFLW fans will be really pleased that Bet Goddard handed you arose and you decided to accept it. You're gonna be wearing number thirty four yeah. for the Hawks. Did you choose that number? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been
4: wearing the thirty-four since I was down at the Swan District Football Club. Um it's a very significant number uh, for me and my family. So Dad was married to seven wives. Um and in the Sasunese culture, that's a tradition that's um practice a lot with the seven wives. There are thirty-five of us in total, all the kids, all dad's kids. Uh so I basically wear thirty-four to, you know, celebrate my brothers and sisters, but also to represent my family and then my community. So uh yeah, so that's how I I, I ended up with number thirty four. Um and then I found out that, that uh Dominique Caboni actually wears number 34 in the VFLW and I kind of had to bribe her <laughs> a little bit and explained to her why I really wanted a 34 uh, and yeah just the beautiful young girl she is she was like yeah you can have it uh, so yeah she handed me the number 34 so I'll be um, looking forward to, to running out with 34 this season.
1: You've got the experience of playing with two other clubs so starting out with Fremantle and then your time at Richmond. What role do you play in building this new team?
4: It's always different. I think club by club um, is always different with it being your inaugural season. But I think for me, I think the role I bring in is that experience. It's a pretty new list of, of people that have not played in the IFLW competition before. So um, it's just really coming in um, and really just setting out a whole new culture from the beginning for ourselves um, and what we want to strive towards in the future and yeah there's some exceptional leaders um, that have also come on board from other clubs who are also helping drive um, those standards as well so yeah it's going to be super amazing but yeah I'm just really uh, excited to be a part of it and just really bring myself uh, my culture and hopefully I can help inspire the other girls to also go and look into their culture and really see their identity because sometimes we think that football is our only identity. You know, there are ancestors and families that have paved the way for us. Um, I always find that helping others discover themselves is really important. So I hope that's what I'm going to be able to bring and obviously my experience of of playing Um, in the AFLW and trying to help the younger girls uh, settle in quick uh, because it's a competition that you have to settle in real Mm. quick because it goes real quick. So I think we're in good hands. It's some really amazing, amazing people and the male players have just been Incredible. The male coaches have been incredible in welcoming us and being a part of the, the Hawthorne family. So yeah, it's a it's a all all hands on deck at the Hawthorne Football Club, which is super amazing.
1: Football has its highs and lows, and you know, on the weekend we saw some some real heartbreak for a number of the the men's teams. What sustains you when when going gets tough?
4: Um, I think for us is is the journey, the generations of young girls that are going to be kind of taking over from us um, when we when we do finish and and retire in the future and it's for us it's about setting the foundation for them because with anything in life things are always going to get tough Um, and it's just a matter of you know pushing through and and then I guess using those tough days um, and tough moments um, and putting them in your resilient box because they're the things that I guess sustain you when things get tougher, uh, I look at football, and yeah it, you know there are heartbreaks and there are people losing and people winning, but there are other people in the world that are going through far worse, and I guess that's my perspective, and that's how, kind of how I look at it. It's part of life to kind of be heartbroken, but yeah, for me, I always just look at it the impact of who we're doing it for. I um, mean it's the you know the young girls that come with their mums and their dads to our football. Um Games this year that are gonna be w- hoping one day to wear the number one um or the number twelve or the number thirty four or the number eighteen uh jerseys for that for the Hawthorne football club and they they want to be like the idols so Um, I guess that's what really sustains me,
1: really. Do you have an idol? Do you have somebody in football that you really look up to or in other sports?
4: Um, I do. I actually really have a lot of idols. Um, I was very, very lucky to play alongside some amazing individuals when I was down at Swan District um, and obviously Richmond. and, And yeah, I've been super blessed with some really amazing role models. One of my big, big role models will have to be Chelsea Randall, Kirby Bentley. And, you know, these women I used to play with, they've just really helped me over the years in in really me knowing myself and really me believing in my my own abilities. Those I would have to say have been my biggest role models in my journey so far. And then in other sports um, I was a massive Arsenal fan growing up and still is one of the people that actually really inspired me to play, start playing soccer. Uh, when I was young, um, was a guy by the name of Theo Henry. Um, And he was just such a professional. And the way he went about his sport was just incredible. So, um, yeah, that's my guy. Like, I I look forward to meeting him one day. But, yeah, I've I've had some really incredible mentors over the years. And obviously my my siblings, uh, they've always been really good at sports uh, growing up. So I've always looked up to them. My sister was a very good cross-country runner. Uh, She was also a very good netballer as well. Uh, My older brothers were very good soccer players. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of be like them um, growing up. So,
1: yeah. You mentioned that your family's all in WA and you were able to see them when you went over there for some match sim. I think the Hawks are meant to play in WA in the final round. Is that the first time you'll have family watching you in the brown and gold or will there be some people who, who travel over here? to support you before then
4: I got the luxury this year of going back home twice which is um which is very rare I'm super thankful I'm super grateful um yeah it was amazing to get down there um and have the whole family come down I think there was about 20 plus of them that came down and everyone's like whoa there's so many of them and I was like that's like two houses (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) even the whole lot everyone was at church um that day so um obviously yeah they've come and they've They've come down and supported. Uh, Mum normally comes and watches round one or like some significant games, but she's in Africa at the moment. And uh, my older sister is a is a member of parliament in WA, so she's busy with her career. So it's um it's just gonna be my my older sister who's here as well, my guardian who's gonna come down with her children and husband. Um, and my best friend and her husband are gonna come as well, and some friends. So I'll definitely have a lot of representation from the community this season. Um. They're going to be flirting around. Um, i got one of my really good mates, Kamandongren. He's a big Hawks fan. And I remember when I was making the decision to come to the Hawks, he was one of the reasons, actually, for me to decide because I knew how much (laughs) this was going to mean to him. Um, And I know him. He's going to definitely travel far and wide. Uh, to Barrack for the Hawks um, girls this season. So uh, yeah, definitely going to have a lot of representation, which is fun. Um, And yeah, keen to get back to WA in round 10 and uh, play my old side, the Fremantle Dockers, which should be uh, really amazing.
1: Who should we keep an eye on out of the Hawks? Especially, you know, there's a lot of new faces we'll be getting to watch this season. Who should we keep an eye on?
4: Oh, there's so many stars. The, The young kids have just come and just blown like they've just blown training out of of, out of the water and yeah obviously Jazz Fleming she's just such a such a professional um she's just come she just comes with so much professionalism she's just class um so she's one to watch this season I would call her Big Mac um, Mackenzie Edley Uh, she's uh, a back of the back she's she's gonna be a star I'm in the making Charlotte Bascaran is another one uh Lucy Wales our, our rock we call her Pendles the young kids have just taken taken over training really which is amazing um but then you have girls like Tam Luke and Dominique Carboni and um Tali fellows who are coming from the VFL programs at Hawks and Casey Demons um who are going to just come and really g- give us a lot of experience from those competitions, but also very good footballers as well um and then we have obviously our Irish recruits Anya and Gilly who are just like yeah they've just come and taken the game And just made it their own. There's going to be a lot of girls that are going to really shine this year, which is super amazing. And then we have our captain who just works hard. Tilly is just a workhorse and professional what she does. So... Um, yeah, I'm really, really keen to see the girls really just shine this season.
1: You're such an energetic person, a catch on field, but off field as well. And I know whenever I talk to you, you're always talking about all your side hustles. You're always, um, <laughs> always busy. What drives you? Um, I think what
4: drives me is my mum. I think I get it from my mum. Honestly, I don't even know half of the time how I manage I have to do the things that I do. You know, playing football. Um, I work three days a week at Jam TV. As a production assistant, I run a small business at home called Safari Boutique uh, Australia. Um, I study I'm doing a Bachelor of Business. Um, I run a public speaking business as well, which a lot of people are like, what? Um, and then I'm, I'm an ambassador for Cadbury and, and Telstra, other things that I do. So I'm just busy. And then on top of that, I've got a pretty good social life. I <laughs> hang out with my friends most of the time. Yeah, I, I really don't know how I manage it. But I think I get it from mom. Mom's always been a woman of great character. She's always been a woman of strength and vision. And she just went after things. Like there was nothing Mm -hmm. that my mom was like, nah, I cannot do that. She just was the one that was like, are we climbing the mountain? Perfect. Let's climb the mountain. I mean, this is a woman that walked all the way from South Sudan to Ethiopia and then walked from South Sudan to Uganda, making her way to Kenya for us to essentially Mm -hmm. end up in Australia. So um, yeah, when I look at her resilience and strength, yeah, I said, look, the, the things that my mom have been able to accomplish and to get us to where we are now, I think are what really drives me. Um, and, you know, it's not easy. There's, al- there's always setback in my journey and things go-, go wrong. But I always just remember, what would Helena Yarinog do? and that's that's my mom what would she do in these (laughs) moments um and I think back to the childhood when things were not great and yeah I think those those are the things that really drive me and knowing that I got a hundred percent support from them um, my family has been really just incredible and especially coming from a community where sports and women didn't really come in the same conversation a lot but now knowing that the way my family has supported my journey it's, a, it's enabling other families as well to get around their kids and enable the, them to, you know, empower them to, to go after things. And I think that's what really keeps me going, that I got all this support from my family and, and my mom, um, who's like my personal hero. Um, it's pretty cool.
1: I would actually listen to a podcast series that was just focused on your mum, Akech, because the <laughs> things I've heard about her, she just sounds absolutely remarkable. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before I let you go, do you have a prediction for the season? Who do you think is going to be the teams to beat? Oh,
4: yeah. Now the prediction for the season. It's going to be a really fiery season. It's going to be a good season. Uh, Richmond are going to be very good this season, and I'm very happy for them. Another team that are going to obviously have a lot to prove, uh, Collingwood. Obviously, the new teams um, were coming in to a season that's been established for about six seasons. There's going to be a lot of hard days, um, but I think it's going to eventually end up in um, good days. And, mm. you know, being a part of a few inaugural teams who are now doing really well, um, it just gives you kind of a perspective. And I think the message I would give the Hawks fans or any fans there is that patience is key. It's it's all about the sustainability of the future. Like for us, it would be great to just, yeah, if we had a lot of money, pay the players, you know, get us in full time for us to really practice our craft. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, we have to juggle so many things. And, you know, for us, uh, for, for the club, you know, they've had to work very hard to to build a list. And they've done an amazing job, really. And, and I'm really proud of the way that they built our list because it's really just rewarding The amazing VFL program that's been so great Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years so and I think that's what you know that's what's going to make the competition more sustainable is having the VFL program that can then feed into your AFLW team so yeah um, I'm super super pumped for us Um, but I think yeah Collingwood Richmond obviously Adelaide uh, are coming off uh, another grand final win so they're gonna have a point to prove uh, as well but yeah it's gonna be a good good season really really good season So, yeah, get excited, guys.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Aketch.
4: No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks,
2: Lucy. Thanks, Ketchy. I cannot wait to see these games' uh, first round of Season 7. There's been some late-breaking changes because uh, Hawthorne and uh, Essendon obviously are playing at Marvel, but, um, Tess, we just caught up with some other news about other games that are moving, that kind of makes sense now that we see how the AFL men's fixture is rolling out.
3: Yeah, it's actually been a it's been a real roller coaster of an hour, by the way, pre pre recording because uh, our DMs are often going off on the outer sanctum, and we were messaged by a Melbourne fan called Mel. So shout out to Mel, but Mel let us know about the fact that because the Sydney Melbourne final uh, had been announced after the. AFLW fixture had been announced there was an issue where they were playing on the, at the same time at, at different venues and for Melbourne fans they were being asked to split their love. Mel was raising that as a, as an issue which is fair enough and before we knew it the AFL had acted which you know is amazingly swift they'd moved that Melbourne North Melbourne round 2 clash in the AFLW to the MCG as a doubleheader with the men's um, Melbourne-Sydney final, which to me, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, that's awesome. Well, that's fantastic. That was dynamic. You know, things happen really swiftly, shows how um, agile, I think people in the biz would call it. How good's that? But a few people raised the issue of the fact that um, fans were then going to be put out of pocket because they have to pay a finals fee to go along to that game instead of an AFLW, you know, season, a home and away season price. So, Lucy, is there any price information? Where's that at? What's the issue there?
1: Yeah, so tickets for round one of the finals are available from $35. So I don't know if you caught up with this, but the AFL announced that they were doing a price freeze at 2019 prices But that is still more expensive than a $10 ticket to the AFLW or a free ticket if you're an AFLW member. The other thing that's tricky is the logistical overlay of having to log on and get tickets when everybody's getting tickets. So AFLW members have got that early access as well it's going to be it's going to be tricky um five o'clock on a Friday at the MCG is also a tricky ask but I don't I, apart from playing it at a completely different time and making sure that Melbourne women aren't playing on the same day as Melbourne men I don't I don't know what you do there hmm. it's an interesting one there's part of me that likes it but it's not without its issues obviously I do hate a ticketing drama though I know it makes me feel so I hate ticket stress. I actually love
3: a bit worst. of ticketing drama. I feel like ticketing oh. drama is in that oh. um, healthy Venn diagram area where it's not life and death. So I'm happy to be feel like it's adrenaline. Oh, I life feel like is, it is wow. definitely life or death.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's death. It's just death.
2: <laughs> um, Lucy and I also went to another. We've really been Selma and Patty all over Melbourne lately. But we went to a, we went to the launch of um, a movie, a film a short film that was made by AFL players for climate action and we were invited by the incredible Isabel Huntington who was on a panel with Gab Pound and we saw this amazing short
1: film Lucy. Mm, It's a short film called Our Local and it focused on some um, players returning to their junior clubs to hear how they're transitioning to renewable energy and doing that in terms of trying to help the climate but also to try and help their clubs and to to make sure that their clubs are future proofed and it was wonderful we we saw Nell Morris Dalton and Emma Carney from the AFLW take part in this and just watch this space jump on board you can follow the AFL players for climate action on social media and i'm really encouraged by just the energy there's a you know double meaning in that <laughs> The clean energy. The clean energy of afl players trying to do their bit
2: for for the climate yeah it was really impressive to see actually okay i think it's time that we get out of here oh my goodness it's upon us next time we meet we'll have some results from the first round before we wrap up today i just want to remind you that we are having a live event at Swimburn, and you can get tickets they are for free but you just need to register for those tickets it's called inside the group chat and we are having so much fun cooking up all of the delights that we're going to be dishing up and serving on that uh, event. It's on the 5th of September at Swinburne in Melbourne. It is going to be live streamed though. So you can log on and watch and play along at home. There's another thing that we need you to do. I'm going
1: to handball this. Lucy, are you the person to explain this? You may have noticed that we've had a few issues with our feed, with our podcast feed over the last few weeks. And we've been trying to explain it on our social media and what you will have seen is that there's actually been two versions of the Outer Sanctum in some of your podcast platforms. What we need you to do is to know that we will be podcasting next week and every week through the AFLW season, through until the end of that season in december so when those two feeds combine back into one it may mean that the one that you're subscribed to drops off Mm. so if it doesn't turn up in your feed next week just go and have a search and basically unsubscribe from the one that you're in search for it again and you'll find the current one so it's we're asking you to do a little bit of admin to keep following us but we love you so much and we really hope that you'll do this for us and it's been really frustrating it has been super frustrating and
2: the reason why we need you to subscribe is because with our numbers that's how we actually get some money into the podcast we really need you to do that we don't ask you to pay for the pod so we really need you to do that very technical back end kind of thing to help us out we will have some clearer messaging once the time has happened that we've been able to merge the feeds but we're very afraid of losing you because you mean the world to us there is only one thing left to say my loves and that is
3: go go footy
2: footy. Footy.
3: (laughs) mnw